The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com writing excuses season 18 episode 36 this is writing excuses the soggy middle pays the rent 15 minutes long <laughs> because you're in a hurry <laughs> and we're we stuck though? in the soggy middle of our day apparently um i'm mary robinette i'm don one i'm aaron i'm grateful for an audio engineer who has made all of this sound seamless for you instead of so goofy for us. We're a little punchy. We're, this is our fourth episode recording in a row. We're talking about the middles of things. Um, and I want to actually jump in because we, we just have a really good metaphor here. One of the reasons that I think I have, I have issue always with the term soggy middle and, and my issue is that what that is referring to is the writer's experience of yes. the middle. Um, because the, the writer is tired, they, are ex- they, they want to be done, but also they feel like there are certain things that they have to do with the characters in order to get to this really cool set piece. And most of the time, uh, like the bulk of the story is actually spent in the middle. The, the bulk of the story is not soggy. The bulk of it is is the middle. So I think that if we if we stop thinking about it as this thing that we have to slog through, and if we start thinking it, about it as the place where all of the cool stuff really happens, that it 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 is a more useful uh, framework for us as we are proceeding mm-hmm. into you, it. You, you're and, absolutely you're absolutely right. Uh, when I wrote the title to the episode. Um, I was tongue very firmly in cheek because there is no there is no soggy middle in in something that is successfully presented to the reader. When it is successfully presented to the reader, every page, every screen minute, every whatever is justifying itself and was was worth doing. With Schlock Mercenary, as I mentioned in the first episode of this series. Uh, on around book 10, I figured I could finish by book 15. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert, I went all the way to book 20. Um, does that mean that I waffled and rambled and lost my way for five books before wrapping things up? And the answer is no. No, I found fun, interesting things exactly. that I wanted to explore 
And the more of those things I explored, the more I realized there were characters I cared about who hadn't yet had their moment in the sun. And as I wrote them further into the story, I began to see where that sunshine would be coming in. And I knew that they needed, because of the way I was structuring the books, um, they were going to need their own book in which they are introduced in the first section and they get their big moment and the mm-hmm. resolution of the story. So uh, along those lines, like one of the things that I, I joke about when I'm writing and, and it happens to, I think most of the writers that I know is that uh, I'll, I'll hit a point where I'm like six chapters from the end and I will be in the six chapters from the end for six chapters, which means I'm actually 12 <laughs> chapters from the end. Because there are all of these things that I'm realizing mm-hmm. that I need to actually unpack and fold up. This happens to me in short form, but it's less noticeable in short form. Um, so I, when we're talking about the the, the soggy part, um, I think that it's not the middle, which implies that it, you're halfway. I think that it's actually the two-third, three-quarter yeah. mark. Because, And I think the reason it happens is because you are sh- shifting modes from setting things up to to closing things. And you've been so much in the mode of, and then it escalates, and then it escalates more, that that you you don't know how to switch to the, and now I have to start solving yeah. things. And so that that's when it will drag on a little bit too long sometimes. I cannot tell you the number of times I've been on the phone with a writer who is just in complete despair. Project is terrible. I don't know how to write. My career is over, like all these things. And I'll have to stop me like, you are 70,000 words out of 100,000 words. You're three quarters of the way through this. This happens every time. Every book you've written, we've had this conversation. Every author I know, I've had this conversation. It, it is such a natural part to be trying to make that pivot. You've been working on this for months. It's it's You're in the middle of that marathon. You know, it's mile 19, and then you just have that last bit to go. And it feels eternal. It feels forever. And you're, I think you're exactly right, pinpointing that it's that two-thirds mark, where you have to shift from building, 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 to starting to close parentheses. And the idea of like figuring out how to start to tie things off, how to shift your momentum from expansion to contraction is really difficult because now you have to solve all the problems you've created for your characters. And I think that can feel really overwhelming. But the thing to remember, going back to the core of this, is that the reader's experience is a very different thing where they have been feasting this entire time. You've been giving them delicious things to chew on, to work through, to think about. And now you're going to start giving them the satisfying conclusions to all the things you've set up before. I love that you use, I was just thinking about marathon as an example, and then you said it. Um, I've run a marathon before and it, you know, they always say people hit the the wall around mile 20. And part of the reason is that you feel like you're close, but not close enough. It's like, I just have to, I've already run all this way, but it's still my leg hurts. Like, and (laughs) I'm still out of breath and I just had to go up this, like this big hill. And one of the things that I found is to anticipate that feeling and set yourself up some fun things at that moment. So in, when you're running a marathon, one of the things I did was I picked one of the songs that I felt was the most epic. Mm -hmm. And I was like, the minute I start to feel like I'm, I'm so far, even though I've come all this way and I just want to stop, 
I will put on this most epic of songs and this will somehow get my lizard brain to push through. And I think that it's sometimes what's a really fun thing that you can be writing, whether it's within the story you're doing, maybe this is the time to write a quick flash fiction piece of some fun thing mm-hmm. in your world that will just get your get your excitement back, make you that. feel the way that you did right at the beginning at that moment, because a lot of it is in your head, but you still have to be, you know, it's your head. So you still have to push through it by making yourself excited again or telling somebody about the story. This can be a good time, even if you're complaining <laughs> to your agent about how bad it is. As you're talking through it, they might get excited about something that you've now discounted because you're used to it. But for them, it's still something exciting and that can help you push on. Exactly. There's actually a term for this. It's called the three-quarter effect. Mm. And it affects people in every discipline. Um, The way I learned about it was from a researcher who was researching people who did Mars simulations. And that about three-quarters of the way in, they're like, I can't possibly finish this. This would happen to people on tour uh, with puppet theater when you're doing a, the run of a show. If it is a nine-month run, then about about month six, you're like, I can't finish this. But it also, if it's a two-week run, you're like, day 10, you're like, how can we possibly continue doing this show? And part of what happens with this three-quarter effect is that your brain looks at the amount of effort that you have put in to get to that point and assumes you have to put in that much effort to get to the end. I haven't read a novel, but I've also run a marathon. And the thing that I do, and trust me, when I bonked, it was one of the darkest moments of my life. (laughs) I was on the lower level of a very cold bridge from Queens back into the Bronx. And I was like, I'm going to die on this bridge. I'm never getting across it. But the th- going back to sort of what you're saying about the, the three quarters mark, the thing that I've learned to do when on long runs is I forbid myself from looking at my watch once I hit that three quarter mark. I will no longer look at how much left I have to go because it then becomes this like asymptotic Zeno's finish line thing where every time <laughs> I get another 0.1 mile, my brain says you cannot do the rest because it was that hard to do this point one mile. It's going to be so much harder to do that last bit. So what I work very hard to do is to stay incredibly present in the moment. And so a lot of times what I remind my clients when they're having that similar feeling is focus on, don't think about how much you have left to write. Don't think about 30,000 words. Think about what you can do today, what plot beat you want to solve next and see where that takes you. And yeah, sometimes that means that the five volumes you have left turn into 10 volumes you have left. Um, sometimes it means that things double and grow in size. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. The story's going to be what it wants to be. And I think giving yourself permission to be in the very specific moment that you're in and keep taking that next step is the thing that will get you to that finish line when you're feeling that sogginess. Are we halfway through this episode? Can we subdivide it with Zeno's paradox via <laughs> blank length all the way down a million times so that I have no idea we'll find out after the break. Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. 
Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We've been talking about long-running series. I am the narrator for uh, Shauna McGuire's October Day series. And as we are recording this, I am also separately in the middle of narrating book 17 in this series. So if you're looking for an example of something that has an extremely long arc, uh, I know for a fact that Shannon is proceeding towards an ending. And I know that because as her narrator, I have to get spoilers so that I don't voice characters wrong. These books, I enjoy them so much. October is a private detective Uh, who is half fairy, half mortal. She's a changeling in San Francisco. And so uh, she then has to go and solve mysteries at the beginning. As we get deeper into the books, she's doing a lot more of solving major major, uh, problems within the world of fairy. They're, um, They're interesting. Each book reinvents themselves. There are books and novellas that are not part of, that are not October's POV. And just to let you know how much I like these, I go read them even though I'm not getting paid to narrate them. So, um, and I also don't earn extra money, by the way, for books that I have narrated when you go listen to them. So when I tell you that you should go listen to the October Day series by Sean and McGuire, um, it, is a, it is a series that I think is worth the 17 book investment. Okay. As we are coming back, Dong Wan, you started talking about some tools that, that writers can use to, to get themselves out of this. So I want to talk about the tools that I figured out um, and, and why it was happening to me, because it, it does happen to me every time. It's like, oh, this book is terrible and it's going to be a disaster. I'm going to have to completely rewrite it. What I realized was that um, longtime listeners will have heard me talk about something called Yes, But, No, And which is the idea that uh, when your character is aiming for a goal, are they going to succeed? Yes, that means a step towards the goal, but means a reversal, means you move away from the goal. 
uh, or actually, but means a reversal. No means that you took a step away from the goal and is a continuation. So at that two-third, three-quarter mark, when I have something go wrong, when I'm writing by instinct in a scene, I will often have the instinct, because I've been doing it all for, you know, 70,000 words, to have something go wrong for the character and then to have it get worse. So what I've begun doing is looking at it and saying, yes, and, so that it's a continuation in the direction that they're going. It's like they got some success and they got a bonus action. Or I'll give them a no, they, they moved away from that, but they get a bonus action. And so I start to look for places where I can give them little bits of success if I'm heading towards a happy ending or if I'm heading towards a, an unhappy ending where I can start like really doubling down on the, those failure points. But realizing that I need to look at my momentum towards the end and break the rhythm of what I've been doing up to that point has made a huge difference in my ability to, to move past that. There were th- that is one of the pieces that I used uh, with books uh, eighteen, nineteen, and twenty, uh, and I consciously told myself uh, for little plot things for this book, uh, yes, but no, and you know, to about the two thirds mark, and then yes, and no, but, but for the whole book, I cannot have, I cannot have a yes, but. I cannot have a no and because the series is now 18 books old, 19 books old. I'm now coming up on a big finish. And so I can't have giant resets. That's not to say that there aren't giant disasters in books uh, 18 and 19 and 20. um, But I can't have any that are so big that they introduce something new. And that was the second piece. And Dong Wan, when you talked about parentheses... Um, my rule is I'm not allowed to open parentheses in Act 3. Yeah, I'm just not allowed to. And so, and that was that was one of the reasons for me that uh, I ran five books longer than I originally thought I needed to because I kept finding places where I wanted to open parentheses. And the moment I'd opened one, I was like, nope, I have to close that. It, I I need to give that time to bake before I can close it. Uh, you know, big, you know, major plot level parentheses. And so those two tools, the one that Mary Robinette t- mentioned, you know, yes, but no, and turns into yes, and no, but, and no open parentheses in the third act. Those are my go-tos. While I don't write long things, I read them. And I will say that one of the things that, uh, thinking about the parentheses, is like, when middles don't work for me, so let me be a middle book of a series, for example, is when it feels like the entire thing is happening within nested parentheses. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like there's too much context required. Um, Like, all the cool stuff happened in book one and will... All the, it will be resolved in a cool way in book three, but book two is just like giving me all the details that make that work. And so I love when middles have their own sentence that they're trying to start and finish. Yes. And that in itself is really interesting. One of my favorite middle things of all time, which is not a book, is Mass Effect 2, uh, which is an amazing middle game uh, that I think is probably the most well-regarded of the Mass Effect series. And one of the great things is that it's basically a heist at the end. And so there's this long, like, setup for a big set piece 
that tells you a lot about the world and sets up things for later. But because that's its own sentence, it manages to keep really good momentum. And that part of it is something that I can pay attention to, even if I've forgotten what happened in game one or Mm -hmm. may never pick up game three because it's three years away. One of my favorite structures, um, I know we're talking about long series, but I'm going to shift to something slightly shorter. Uh, one of my favorite structures is what we call the standalone with series potential, mm-hmm. right? You hear that all the time in mm-hmm. current publishing. There are very strong business reasons to do that. I'm not going to touch on right now. But I also really like it as a narrative structure because it lets you tell a complete story as book one that has all the cool stuff that you can think of in it. And then what you're kind of doing is then telling a duology for book two and three. And book two will often have more of a cliffhanger ending that leads into book three. Going back to Star Wars, this is how that's structured. Star Wars is a standalone story, has a beginning, middle, and end. Empire Strikes Back has an open-ended cliffhanger leading into uh, the third movie. We just saw this happen with the second Spider-Verse movie. Uh, has a very cliffhanger ending. I'm not going to spoil anything about it, but you know, it's very much the middle movie of a trilogy. And it does what Aaron's talking about, where it introduces new verbs, introduces new sentences, introduces new ideas. And so that is building to this big, satisfying conclusion that's going to be movie three. Hopefully it's satisfying. Fingers crossed. I have ultimate confidence in that team. But letting yourself tell a complete story and then using the tools of that, using the, the reader's satisfaction from that, lets you have the trust now to tell something slightly more open-ended, to open a lot of questions that you're going to end in that third book. Um, it, it's a way to think about middles. It, you, you have an arc, and then the rhythm of it is now you get to tell a bigger arc. And so that middle is you getting to set up a ton of stuff and then figure out how to start closing those things off in your third story. Yeah, and I think the the failure mode of that is where people are doing the, um, there's this really cool thing, and I have to save yeah. it. And so um, I will find myself doing this in, in my work where where I'm waiting, like, because I feel like my characters have to earn it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, just montage your way through that um, or move it forward, find a different way to escalate it. Mm -hmm. And, and it's the, that, that sense of you, I think that people will have this false sense of what that arc looks like. One of the other tools that I've realized is that whatever problem there's two, one is that whatever problem that they solved in the first one, um, that they're just going to have to solve a different iteration of it. So if if they're like, oh, I don't have the confidence to do that. It's like, okay, well, congratulations. You were an orphan farm boy. Now you're the king of the kingdom. It's like, oh, but but now I'm a fraud and we'll, everyone will know because I was an orphan farm boy. It's like, well, you're still dealing with imposter yep. syndrome. It's just a very different different form of it. You're not hitting exactly the same hurdles, but you're still dealing with the same character-based mm-hmm. thing. Um, we see this failure mode in a lot of superhero mm-hmm. movies where it feels like we already resolved that character beat. Why are we repeating it again, yeah. right? Uh, Iron Man's a great example of this where that arc was very much closed out and then it just got reopened again all of a sudden when they decided, no, Iron Man 3 can't be the end of this. We need more Iron Man. And therefore, he's going to continue to do the thing even though we had a character arc conclude in that movie. Yeah, and there are ways to to have you know, have people move forward while still dealing with the same basic core things. But if you're hitting the same beats, that's where it's it's like, no, this is this is a little dull. Um, the other piece is something that Howard had mentioned in a previous episode um, where uh, that he realized that each uh, each season needed to work as a standalone. 
And that's something that I do um, is not just the that first book, which is a standalone with serious potential, but that I try to structure each of them as a standalone mm-hmm. so that you have beginning, middle, end while there is this very long arc that is happening. Well, and when, there's, when it is part of a series, but you are crafting it so it will function as a standalone, what you are saying is standalone with potential for you, fair reader, to get so excited about it, you want to pick up the whole series. Exactly. And that, so th- I mean, that mindset for crafting a thing will always be useful. And from a published perspective, one thing I really strongly recommend if you're doing a very long series, it, it's good to have them operate as standalones, but sometimes you can build an explicit on-ramp book, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we're in the middle right now of closing out Max Gladstone's The Craft Sequence, mm. which is, when we're done, going to be a 10-book uh, series. Um, speaking of things expanding, we originally planned the the ending of the craft sequence to be a duology. It is now four books because that's what happens sometimes when you dig into something. Um, but we designed the first book of of what's now called the Craft Wars, which is the ending of the series, to be an explicit on ramp. It's like okay, you've read these six books, but we're starting you fresh. Character that you know from the previous series, but reintroducing her, giving her new problems, giving her new situations. And that is a way for us to bring on a whole new readership as we publish these books that are going to close out the series in a much more um, serialized way than he's done up until this point. So thinking about moments where you can strategically bring on new readers as you continue to build your series can be really helpful and keep you out of a situation where you're only getting a subset of the previous readers of the previous book as you continue to publish. Um, I'm just going to mention one other thing that Howard had said in the first episode in this in our series, um, and I'm sure you were foreshadowing this, uh, <laughs> was that you were talking about um, how something uh, so that that whatever solution that they had come up with would propagate to a disaster. And that's one thing that you can do when you're looking for ways to keep that soggy middle from mm-hmm. being soggy is that whatever solution your characters have just come up with is the catalyst for the next problem. This is the yes, but on mm-hmm. a macro scale. Yeah. You can use the yes, but no, and on the the meta scale of your series in addition to at a micro scale of a character solving an individual scene. Yeah, it's like, and instead of it just being yes, comma, but, it's like, yes, the end, and then next book, but. but yeah. <laughs> yes. And if it's a cliffhanger, then it's yes, but, and then you're like, well, now I have to have the next yes. book. <laughs> Speaking of cliffhangers, we are going to move on to our homework. Actually, before we move on to the homework, I wanted to make one final point because uh, uh, the next three episodes are going to be the actual drill down into uh, those last three books, uh, 18, 19, and 20. Um, And I wanted to mention that the titles of Schlock Mercenary books often came from some quote or something that happened in the middle of the book, and I realized, oh, that's so cool, I have to use it. Uh, you know, at one point somebody says, gosh, with the spare parts there, I could turn that into the Longshoreman of the Apocalypse. And I realized, oh, that's a book title, Longshoreman of the Apocalypse. For the last three books, I decided not only could I not afford to do that, but the titles had to come from the 70 Maxims, and and I... And I needed to have those written in advance. Uh, mandatory failure comes from Maxim 70. Uh, failure is not an option. It's mandatory. The option is whether or not you let failure be the last thing you do. 
the second one was uh, a function of firepower. And the, the, the quote was, rank is a function of firepower. And the third and final one was sergeant in motion, which as I've alluded to before, I wanted to call all the way back to uh, Schlock's arc. You know, Schlock needed to be part of this solution. And there's a maxim that says a sergeant in motion outranks a lieutenant who doesn't know what's going on. By tying these to the maxims, I was doing that thing where I'm not opening any more parentheses. This book title is itself a closing paren on a piece of information you've already been given. And on that note, I think we're ready to hand out homework. Great. So I have a homework assignment for you. I want you to look at your work in progress um, and see where things are soggy because you're waiting for the big set piece. Look at places where you were escalating when you could actually provide a solution. Look at the places where you should be escalating instead of just having them in a holding pattern. Look at why your character isn't doing the next cool thing and see if you can move them to that just a tiny bit faster. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. To stay up to date with new releases, upcoming in-person events like our annual writing retreats and Patreon live streams, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, or subscribe to our newsletter. Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. For this episode, your hosts were Mary Robinette Kowal, Dong Wan Song, Aaron Roberts, and Howard Taylor. This episode was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr., mastered by Alex Jackson, and produced by Emma Reynolds. For more information, visit writingexcuses.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.